The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, built a watchtower, then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. And when the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, He will put those wrenches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces fruit of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have made Christ the center stone, the cornerstone of all that we are. Help us to live into that grace and into that cornerstone, to be part of the kingdom of God that is built up from Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick survey. How many of you like this parable? Raise your hand. Yeah, good. I'm glad most of you don't like it. It's really a strange parable. Because at first glance, it looks like Jesus is talking about a God who is vengeful and judgmental, and we really don't want a part of that kind of God. I think there's another message there. It's a message of hopefulness and generosity and a just God who is most of all loving. So, this parable starts with the promise that God will plant and cultivate a vineyard, that grapes will grow, wine will flow again, and Jesus says to us, 
I am the vine, and you are the branches. Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. In the Bible, most times, vineyards are a hopeful metaphor for us to look to. Noah. Big flood, right? The land finally dries out. Noah gets out of the ark, and the first thing he does is what? First thing he does is plant a vineyard. I think that's really strange. You know, why not build a house? Why not plant some wheat or barley or corn? I mean, you need stuff to eat right away. Vineyards take a long time and are hard work to develop. You need time and labor. Oh, that's why Noah planted a vineyard. Because it holds a promise of a long time and work, and a blessing. Read a little note that said, to do a vineyard in today's economy, it takes about $20,000 a year to plant, to to, uh, cut it up, crop it. Pruning, thank you. See, Dave, I'm not the only one that can forget things. Or you're not the only one. Oh, anyway. (laughs) However that's supposed to be said. So, pruning. And to get a modern vineyard going takes five years. Five years for the grapes to develop into the taste that they're going to be as mature grapes. So we're talking about a blessing that there will be continual support. So when we read about vineyards, what we're hearing is a promise of enough peace, enough stability, and enough hope to work for the long haul. When we have immediate needs, like for wheat, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But when we have a need of hope, we plant the vineyard. We plant the vineyard. So, when people are longing and hoping and dreaming, in the wilderness travels, they were hoping for a vineyard. When the people were exiled into Babylon, they were hoping for a vineyard. When there was drought, they were hoping for the vineyard, that there would be new wine and that there would be a future. So what do we take away from this parable today? What we take away is that the world, 
is God's vineyard. The whole world, the planet itself, all life upon it, all production, all work. The church is part of that. Our lives hope for a vineyard. So if a whole world is God's, then we owe something back to God. Salvation is God's grace, not something we do. To be saved means to be made whole, and that's the promise of salvation. And when we are graced into God's kingdom, we're expected to respect the authority of the owner and to give back proper fruit. Now that we are saved, now that we are whole, what are we to do? We have expectations to bear fruit, to bring others into God's kingdom. When Matthew wrote this book, he may have been facing the question, why didn't more Jews believe in Jesus as the Messiah? And as we read this parable today, we have a similar question. Why do some people refuse to believe in Jesus? Part of that is, do we know the difference between Christianity as a hobby and Christianity as the cornerstone of one's life? You heard me talk about the cornerstone in ancient time. The cornerstone in modern times is there for looks. It's never at the bottom. It's up where people can see it. And often the cornerstone is hollow, and inside the cornerstone is a time capsule for looking back. But that's not what the cornerstone of Jesus is. Jesus is the cornerstone, the key element. Jesus is life. Jesus is wholeness. And everything that we do needs to line up with that cornerstone, who is Christ. In contrast, the tenants had their life not focused on the cornerstone, but on their own life, their own self, and what they could get from themselves and for themselves. And that's why that Psalm 118 is quoted. It changes the parable from a vineyard and produce and farmers to the sun. They seized him, they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. So who is Jesus in this parable? He is the son who comes back to reclaim what belongs to the Father. Jesus is the one whose mission is rejected 
by the tenants, the father's own tenants. He is the son who is rejected, whose rejection is vindicated by Jesus dying on the cross. And that brings judgment. But it's not the judgment that we are surprised at. Jesus comes and he restores the world to its created order. And how do we know this? We look at the whole life of Jesus' ministry, and it looks like this. The sick are made well. Sinners are restored. God is praised. In short, Jesus brings wholeness to a world that is broken. And he calls all people into the kingdom of heaven. That may be a lesson for us, too. Are we dealing with the sick? Are we dealing with sinners? Are we restoring those who are broken? Christ was despised and rejected for us. The very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. We don't like to talk about responsibilities of being God's elected people. In the early church, remembering the poor was a requirement, Galatians 2.10. The only cure for selfish greed is to learn how to give for others. So, when we take the growing tree image, the tree's fruit is not for the sake of the tree, but it's for the sake of those who receive nourishment from the fruit. Animals, small worms, Christian-bearing acts are good for the others. Humans take fruit from the tree, use it for themselves, sell it as food for others. So why do people reject Jesus? One of the reasons they don't want to assume the responsibility of being a Christian. They don't want to live for the sake of others. This is a crazy parable. It starts with the tenants. How crazy can you be to think that you would inherit the vineyard if the son were to die? Legally, it's possible, but it doesn't say the landlord is gone. The landlord still has other slaves. The landlord may have another son. The landlord definitely has access to an army. How silly. But that's not half as crazy as the landlord. Think about the story. 
not just the judgment, but the whole story. The landlord sends a servant. Servants treated badly. So the landlord sends some more servants, and they're beaten and killed and stoned. And the landlord sends more servants or slaves, and more of them are beaten and killed. And then he sends the son. This is an honor society. People had to honor each other. And so to kill the son was to break honor. And the landowner sent his son. Why? Why would the landowner do this? The landowner wanted to be in a relationship with his tenants. The landowner would do anything. The landowner would risk anything. The landowner kept reaching out. Sort of like a desperate parent trying to reach a beloved child. He's not acting like a rich landowner businessman. He's acting out of love. And so Jesus asked the people, what will the landlord do when he comes? And the only answer the people have is he will put those ranches to a miserable death. They condemn themselves. What will the landlord do is a different answer than what did the landlord do. The landlord sent his son, Jesus, to treat all of us who have hoarded God's blessings for ourselves and not given God's due. We kill the son. And God raised the Son from the dead and then sent the Son back to us again. Crazy love. So what does this mean? Are we working for God's kingdom in our personal life and in our public life? What does this parable say if we're having broken relationships between a child and a parent, broken relationships between relatives, broken relationships between spouses? What does this parable say about forgiving ourselves so that we can make our community healthier? What does this say about how we live knowing that someone we trusted condemns us in some way. What does this parable have to do when it reflects on our criminal justice system? What does this parable have to say about the death penalty? What does this parable have to say about our helping people in our society who some say brought their own troubles upon themselves. We tenants, 
we try God's patience. We do. And we have a message. We think God will condemn. But God shows us love. God tries to pull us back into a loving relationship. And we see the death of Christ. He's talking about his own future death in this parable. He was killed. He was buried. And then he comes back to life. And we are asked to go forward with that blessing. Amen.